In this episode of Paid by the Word, Mike interviews Cynthia Gregory, an award-winning writer of short stories and an experienced writing teacher. Here's a snippet from their conversation. And in my last uh, quarter there, or my last session there, I had an Iraqi vet. It was like in his 20s, and he was just so big and brave, and he was pursuing his education after having served the country. And as an exercise for the class, we I had everybody read their final essay in front of the class, which, you know, people are like, can't we just do it from our chairs? I'm like, no, stand up, stand up in front of the class and own your language. And this guy got up to read his story, which was, you know, amazing. And the lights in the in the on the floor went out. Somebody probably hit a, a breaker switch or something like the lights went out on the floor. And I was like, so disappointed. And I was like, Oh, that's the end of it. Being a vet, he whips out his phone, turns on the flashlight beam and finishes reading his story in the dark, like we're around a campfire. And it was the most amazing experience. And he's just an average guy, you know, telling an average story, but it was so magnificent. Well, hello there, and welcome to Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with professional writers and editors. If you are curious about what goes on in the minds of people who write and edit for a living, this podcast is for you. Thanks, Zoe. In this episode, I'll be speaking with award-winning author and teacher, Cynthia Gregory. Her published short stories include Baby Blood, Melting at Both Ends, Use Me, and Rosalinda's Ambition. Cynthia's work has appeared in respected publications such as The Sun, Glimmer Train, The Briarcliff Review, Santa Barbara Review, The Ear, and Central PA Magazine. She took second place in the Writer's Digest Annual Fiction Contest, first place in the Glimmer Train Family Matters Short Story Competition, and first place in the Mark Twain Short Fiction Prize. Cynthia is also the author of Journaling as Sacred Practice, a book that helps writers stay focused and productive. She writes that each of the book's chapters is, quote, a love letter to the art of creative writing, where both the fledgling writer and the seasoned scribe will find encouragement, advice, and lessons in the craft of journaling, unquote. I'm delighted that Cynthia found time in her busy schedule to sit down and chat about her work. I hope you find our conversation, which was recorded in November 2020, to be entertaining and useful. Cynthia, you write both fiction and nonfiction. Yes. What's the best way to describe the difference from a writer's perspective? I think in nonfiction, I I feel a responsibility to represent in an authentic way. Um, to, to do my research, to be fact-based to the best of my ability, and to, to create a narrative that's trustworthy. I think that matters to me a lot. I think that in many ways they're indisputable, and so there's a standard to which I strive to, um, to apply my work. Um, whereas in fiction, I get to let my imagination run wild. You know, I... I kind of feel like a voyeur when I write because I'll hear something, I'll hear somebody say something, or I'll experience um, a person's um, emotional experience and go, there's just something inside of me goes, this is a universal story and somebody needs to, you know, somebody needs to write it. And there I am, I'm there to write it. Um, I've written a number of stories that, um, were award-winning, and I think that they were based because they were based on real life. Um, Baby Blood won a national award, and it's kind of an unusual title. 
this is a story that so many people can relate to. And I'm really pleased that I was able to, to show up and do the work. That's a, that's, thank you. That's a, that's a, uh, that's such a thoughtful response. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I also like the fact that you that you indicated or early on that you you really care you care about what you write about, and I, I I think that's essential to do good work. Absolutely, I mean you listen to any writer, um, it's it's almost in their DNA. It, it, there's a, and I've said this in my book, you know, journaling is sacred practice. I really believe there's something really sacred in sharing our human narrative. And if you have any self-awareness at all, you have to recognize your role in it is not necessarily as creator, but as as witness and and that person who shares that then with the world. So which professional writing habits do you find especially helpful? Um, nothing better than just planting my seat in the seat and doing the work. <laughs> you know, I coach a lot of folks who want to write a book and I'm like, you just got to create the pages. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's awesome. But you have to show up because you never know what's, you know, what is going to be delivered for you to to create. That's pretty neat. I, I noticed that, uh, you, I mean, you also speak about writing quite a bit, which creates a certain accountability factor. Uh, how does that work? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> last year I was speaking with uh, a coach, uh, my coach, um, I believe every coach should have a coach, at least one. I have several. But um, I said, yeah, I want to write another book next year. And she said, okay. And then then COVID hit. And I was like, oh, God. And I was writing a, uh, running a writer's workshop. I call it Journal Camp last January, which went for about eight weeks. And I never intended to write about the pandemic. But that's what was going on when I was doing my writing. And so because I'd publicly said I was working on this book, because I was leading a class in writing, journaling about what, you know, journaling the world, um, I felt I felt a lot of accountability to finish that book and uh, get it out there. So cool. So Cynthia, which writers do you turn to for inspiration? So many, so many. Louisa Erdrich breaks my heart every single time. I read when I the first time I read um, the last report from the mission at Little No Horse. I finished the last page and I immediately flipped the book over and kept, you know, started reading it again because her language is so amazing. Um, Sherman Alexi is another one. He's, there's a lot of pathos and humor and growing up on a reservation in Spokane, Washington, you know, and he, he delivers in amazing ways. Um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez wrote the best first line ever in 100 Years of Solitude. <laughs> um this is true. Very true. Gosh, right. I read that and I, I couldn't believe that that was possible. That's when I was really starting uh, to study writing um, fiercely. Um, yeah, I've started reading more and more nonfiction. I've, um, I was never really interested a lot in nonfiction, but I love the way that it informs my writing and gives it a, a more depth. So here's a question that I ask every uh, author and writer and editor. Yes. Can you tolerate noise when you write or do you need a quiet place to work? That's so funny. Um, I need quiet when I read, but when I write, everything else falls away. I, I don't hear things. In fact, I like to write in public because I'm listening to what's going on and it finds its way in. And um, 
Yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm not troubled by noise when I'm writing because I rather think that it gives me some texture. Uh, so in 2016, you wrote a great book, Journaling as Sacred Practice. Please tell us how the book, uh, please tell us a little bit about the book and tell us how it came about. Um, sure. Yeah. I've, I was really lucky. Gosh, when was it in the eighties? I was really lucky to live in Los Angeles and work with an amazing group of writers. They all happened to be women. We would meet once a week at a cafe in Costa Mesa and we would all write a phrase on a piece of paper and throw it in the middle of the table. And we did timed writing. We did five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 10 and five. And we would do writing and we would read. There was no commentary. There was just there was just the process. I did that for three or four years and I learned so much about writing just from listening to my peers. And also it challenged me in, in ways as well, which was very fun. And I developed this a process of writing a journaling and I teach it and I wrote about it. So um, in 2008, um, I won a Glimmer Train Award for a short story called Melting at Both Ends. I'd been working with a woman who was getting ready to retire. And she told me about this table that she bought when she was in Bali. And she put it on her front porch because she felt that she was getting ready to retire. And it, it gave her presence of mind knowing that, you know, she was in a shifting period in her life and it, things were changing and she was very aware of it. At the same time, we were just starting to get notices of polar bears drowning because the ice flows were melting in the north. And I blended those two ideas into a story called Melting at Both Ends. And it won a Glimmer Train Award. And I was really excited about that. They asked me to write a, uh, an essay about my writing process, which then became the first chapter in this book. So um, I, right after I got the award, I had a really bad breakup. And I sat down and I wrote 48 chapters in 48 days. I just channeled all that stuff into a creative process. It was my, that was just kind of a primal response to, you know, all this stuff that was going on. And then I put the book in a drawer for a couple of years. And then a friend of mine said, hey, my publisher is looking for, for somebody to, you know, to contribute a manuscript. You should send her your journal book. And I did. And here we are. Wow. That's a lovely story. Um, it's you've also. Fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I'm no, sorry no, for no, stepping. No. I we're both. Yeah. I can tell we're. Yes, we're. As as we said, uh, we're uh, we're sharing the same mind space, which is uh, which is nice. Um, so you've also written short stories and other works. Uh, tell us about them. I love short stories. I don't know what it is about the short story form that appeals to me so much, except that it requires a lot of me. I've written a couple of um, novel manuscripts that, you know, kind of floundered and really didn't go anywhere other than they were really good writing practice and gave me opportunities to work out character and storyline and conflict and dialogue and all those good things. But short story really requires me to be laser focused and take on a very narrow topic um, you know, like baby blood or, um, you know, drowning polar bears and what that means to a woman, a postmenopausal woman who's getting ready to retire when everything around her is falling apart and melting. Um, I love those kinds of conundrums that we, that just make us so human. So short stories just, uh, they call to me and um, every word counts. You, you can't mess around with a short story. It's like a haiku, you know? <laughs> you know? You can't just throw any word in there. It's gotta have the right balance and texture and it, it has to have levels of meaning that contribute 
um, to the the forward motion of the narrative. Well, I'm so happy that you mentioned uh, haiku. Uh, I teach uh, I, I teach a public speaking class at the uh, University of Bridgeport, and we always do at least one class on haiku. And it's usually the first time that the the kids have have been exposed to them, but they pick up on the the they pick up on it immediately. And they're just so happy. I have everyone write a haiku, and it's a great, it's a wonderful uh, exercise. Uh, you're also going to be publishing a collection of your stories um, in 2021. Yes. Uh, what is possible from here? Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, well, yes. So this this was part of my my public accountability. I said, I've got these short stories. I'm going to make a collection. And then it was like, ooh. And then I needed the final story, which was the one that I wrote about the pandemic. And so that's kind of the, the keystone piece um, for the collection. But it spans about 20 years of fiction. And one of the things I love when I find a reader, a writer that I really especially love, I, I love to read the body of their work so I can track their development as a writer over time. And I think that's probably what this book will represent is my my development as a writer over time. Some of them were award-winning, others I just applied the same process of writing to and I think, you know, stand pretty well. So what is possible from here is also a coaching term. You know, when you, it's, it's both a question and a statement. It's like you get someone to a point where you've shifted them out of a, a, a rigid viewpoint and you go, oh, well, what is possible from here? What would be possible if you saw this from another perspective? What would be possible if you were willing to maybe try something new? And it just kind of cracks the egg open. So I think these stories kind of represent that. And that is actually a line from the final story. I managed to work that in. But um, I wanted the title to represent the body of work in a very specific way. And since that was the most recent story, that's where I decided to pull the, the title from. So there's 10 stories. I'm hoping it will be out um, mid-February. Probably not in time for Valentine's Day, but close enough. <laughs> It sounds. It sounds. Of love. <laughs> it sounds great. I will definitely read it. Oh, uh, thank you. I'm really <laughs> excited about it. It's. Um, yeah, I'm real. I'm both excited and and kind of uh, nervous. Actually, I mean, journaling is non pretty much nonfiction. It's, it's a process book. It's a how to, but um, the short story collection is a little bit more personal. I think so. I'm like. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, well, again, I look forward to reading it. And, I'm um, sure it'll be fine. Yeah. And there's nothing more exciting and thrilling and wonderful than seeing a, one of your books come out. It's just it, that that thrill never goes away. Yes. You had asked me, um, you know, what is it that you love about writing? And, I, and one of the things I really feel strongly about is um, adding to the body of American literature. You know, um, I may not be a New York Times bestselling author, yet but i think that you know if you endeavor you know with a true heart that you are contributing on some level and that makes me really happy to be a part of that you know the the writers that i've admired and loved my entire life i started reading when i was like four i taught myself to read with comic books because all my older sibs were reading and i wanted to read you know so i, I taught myself to read and so i've always been a little bit in love, you know, with stories and books. And so to be able to be a part of that is feels really rewarding. Oh, that's good. And thank you for mentioning comic books, because uh, as a child growing up in Newark, New Jersey, uh, they were a source of uh, 
consolation, solace, friendship, and that's where I learned everything that I know. Uh, yes, <laughs> from yes. that, yes, Green Lantern and Shakespeare. That's oh, about wow. it. Doctor Seuss. <laughs> Doctor yeah. Seuss. Yes, exactly. Um, they're just so. Uh, and and people every now and then people would say, you know, where'd you learn all that stuff? So, mostly comic books. And I was being place. totally sincere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would go to my grandmother's house summers in Spokane and, you know, it was my grandmother's house. It wasn't a lot to do, but there was a stack of comic books. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now that's a great grandmother, a great <laughs> grandmother. Uh, was pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> Cynthia, tell us briefly about your career path. How did you become a writer, author, and teacher? Ah, it comes, I just think it comes back around to this thing that I love so much that I was just so voraciously hungry to absorb and know everything about. And then um, to be able to share that is incredible. So after I got my master's degree, I was teaching um, mostly composition, you know, for the local community colleges. And one summer I got asked to write, uh, to teach a lit class, which thrilled me no end. And it was one of those wonderful, you know, summer sessions where it's warm outside and the doors and windows are open. It's just yummy. And this girl walked in with like purple hair and I went, oh boy, here we go. And, you know, she said, I don't like to read. I've never liked to read. And so I went into my, my diatribe about, I don't care what you read. Read a cereal box. Read a comic book. Read, you know, the back of a magazine. I don't care. Just read. So you get to pick what you're going to read, but you have to pick a book and you have to read it. And we'll, we'll be talking about it. She discovered Alice Walker. And I saw the shift in her face when she... Wow recognize something bigger and more powerful through literature. And I was like, that is such a huge reward to be able to see somebody else light up like that. Nice. In, nice. in the face of great thoughts. Yeah. It's such a good uh, combination. I, I, because we are as writers, uh, we are trying to share our knowledge. So it makes sense that we also teach. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, that was an aspect of, uh, I don't know. I'm just in a picking on J.D. Salinger mode. But uh, yeah, writers who don't share their work. Uh, you know, I think if, if Scott Fitzgerald had had to teach at the local community college, he probably would have lived longer and done and written some more books. Right. Yeah, right. right. He's like, I can't drink now. It's <laughs> a little discipline. Right. I can't write now. I have to grade these papers. I rather I can't. I, I'm sorry. I can't drink now. <laughs> I have to grade these papers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think also I, uh, one of the things that I also love about teaching, I, when I, I lived in Spokane for, I mean, in Portland for a couple of years and I taught at University of Phoenix, which, you know, tends to kind of get dismissed as a, you know, as a tool of higher learning, but they were working people who were pursuing a degree and I was very supportive of that. And of course I was teaching composition and in my last, uh, quarter there or my last session there I had an Iraqi vet it was like in his 20s and he was just so big and brave and he was pursuing his education after having served the country and as an exercise for the class we I had everybody read their final essay in front of the class which you know people are like can't we just do it from our chairs I'm like no stand up stand up in front of the class and own your language and this guy got up to read his story which was you know amazing and the lights in the in the on the floor went out somebody probably hit a, a breaker switch or something like the lights went out on the floor and I was like so disappointed and I was like oh that's the end of it being a vet he whips out his phone turns on the flashlight beam and finishes reading his story in the dark like we're around a campfire 
and it was the most amazing experience. And he's just an average guy, you know, telling an average story, but it was so magnificent. Wow, that's uh, that is beautiful. What a great uh, that's a great story on so many levels, and it's a great story from you know as a from a teaching from you know perspective, and also a great uh, you know that's what we want to see in our fellow human beings. Like Odysseus, you're never at a loss. So right, he whips out his phone. I've got light. I'm going to keep reading. Right. Yeah. And I think it's that is just so emblematic of I think the stories that really resonated. They're just people doing. You know, doing the right thing, doing what needs to be done, showing up. And those are the kinds mm. of stories that, you know, really appeal to me. So. Wow. so, Cynthia, would you please read a portion of Journaling as Sacred Practice for our listeners? Yes. I would love to. I was looking at this this morning, and it's, uh, it's a couple of paragraphs. Not too much, I hope. You'll cut me off if it's too much, okay? <laughs> Go take as take as much time as you want. That's the 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 wonderful, you know, the podcasting dimension has no time. And you can take it out in post, right? <laughs> and there's always that too, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Journaling is a sacred practice, and you have to be willing to strap on strap on your Teflon panties to do it right. You have to be as brave as Joan of Arc and write fearlessly to express your soul. This is what you do, right? Write for 15 minutes every day, no matter what. Even if you just write, I have nothing to say. Even if you just fill up the page with gibberish, write knowing that your journal is not about you. Do you get that? Your journal isn't about you. No offense, and as important as you are, your journal is not an extension of you. Rather, it is like a Polaroid camera that you aim at everything around you and with which you snap a photo. This cafe, that conversation, that wide, beautiful coastline with clouds hovering over the water like cotton candy and the smell of the surf pushing spring toward the desert on a mission from God. It is a recording. It is a gift from the universe. How is it a gift? It is a gift because no one, not a soul who has ever been or will be, has the power of observation from your perspective, with your history, with your love of crossword puzzles or mahjong or Thai noodles with peanut sauce. You are a dazzling flower on the furthest branch of the tree of life, and what you see around you is a devotion in the truest sense. So write about the hamburger you ate for lunch. Write about the girl who brought it to you, whose shoes seemed unnaturally worn because maybe she's working her way through art school and she deserves a little extra tip. So maybe she can sleep in tomorrow and dream of painting a watercolor that will turn the world on its collective ear. Your journal is not about you. It is a gift to the world. My ex-husband's grandmother kept a journal every day of her married life. When grandma died at 93, my father-in-law gave a journal to each of the grandkids. You could say there was nothing extraordinary about it, but there was something precious in the grocery list she made with her spidery hand. There was a door into the life of a woman who had made a family so big that galaxies were created just to contain the love she had for them. The laundry lists, the shoes to be taken to the repairman, the small concerns, were a door into the world none of us had seen before. This was a picture of a woman, not as we knew her, but a woman who, when she wrote the journal, was younger than we were who were reading it. And it was astonishing. So write your journal and don't worry about being brilliant. Kill the editor in your head. You know, the one that says, who cares what you think? You know you're never going to write anything worth reading anyway. Why bother? Kill that editor. The editor is only your insecurities with carte blanche with the power to stop you in your tracks before you even uncap your pen. Just write, just do it, knowing whatever you say is sacred in a context you can't even imagine. Wow, that's lovely and great advice. 
Cynthia, how can writers and editors contact you if they want to talk with you about coaching? Oh, I am all over LinkedIn. And if they go to LinkedIn and search Gregory Cynthia, they'll find me. And I also have a website. It's called cgregorycreativity.com. And it concludes my blog and all kinds of things about projects that I'm working on and things that I'm involved in. And I would love to, uh, to have a conversation with somebody who wants to explore writing. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, it doesn't get any better than this. So thank you so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure and, and, and thoroughly in, enjoyable. And, and, uh, and again, thank you. And uh, I look forward to reading what is possible from here. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate the time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. You brought a lot of really, really positive, you brought a lot of very positive energy to this. This is my computer is not blowing up. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, you brought a lot of very positive energy to this, and, and that's uh, I can't ask for more. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. That was my conversation with Cynthia Gregory, award-winning writer and author of Journaling as Sacred Practice. I'm impressed by Cynthia's dedication to writing and by her willingness to help other writers achieve their goals. She is a valuable member of the writing community and a role model for all of us. That wraps up another episode of Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with writers, editors, and media professionals. We are grateful for your attention and we wish you all the very best. Stay safe and be well. Bye-bye.